welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. And this is a big episode of the podcast. Uh, I, I imagine we may have a few new listeners here to the podcast. So welcome to those of you who have. Um, here's what we've got in store for you today. I had a one-on-one interview uh, earlier today with former Washington football team head coach Jay Gruden. Got into everything I think you guys would probably want to hear uh, about um, his time in Washington. Uh, Mr. Snyder, that yacht comment the other day about Dan Snyder coming in to make decisions uh, about the draft or otherwise after the front office or the, the coaching staff had sort of put together a plan. I asked him kind of to get a little bit more elaborate on that. Uh, we, we talked about uh, a Kirk Cousins angle that I had not heard him discuss before that I think is really interesting and a bunch of other topics. Uh, you know, what does Jay think about NFL quarterbacks that could be available for Washington, his time in Jacksonville, his future, and a whole bunch more. I think it's a really fun interview. Jay's a pretty candid guy. So I think you guys will enjoy that. Now, of course, on the more uh, on the, on the, with the current team, today was the first time we heard from not just Ron Rivera, we've heard from him many times, but the first time we heard from him with his new front office crew of Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew. Uh, I'll share my thoughts on that, plus play a little bit of audio from Ron Rivera today uh, that I thought was, was pertinent. And so a big, big podcast here. was not anticipating a third podcast in three days, but or third episode in three days. But you got to roll with it when you roll with it. Um, it's been a pretty busy week, but a really good week. And I think it's a good reason why people should be subscribing to the podcast. You can do that. Go to iTunes, Spotify, Google, anywhere you do your podcasting, you should be able to find the Standard Group Only podcast. And of course, hopefully you guys also subscribe to, to read my work on The Athletic. I'll be writing off of this press conference today, but also did a, a seven-round Washington-only mock draft earlier in this week and, and tons of other stuff on there, not just for me, but all of my colleagues uh, in D.C. and around the country. It's it's an incredible roster of reporters uh, that I'm always amazed that I'm a part of. So you should check that out. Just go click on any of my articles and you can subscribe there. There's typically some kind of a some sort of a discount. I, it kind of fluctuates, to be honest, unless there's a specific plan, but there's typically some kind of a discount. So hopefully you guys can go check that out. Um, I'll get to Jay Gruden in a couple of moments, but let me just kind of go through what I heard today with regards to Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, and Martin Mayhew. First of all, I don't think there should be any, this shouldn't be new to anybody who's been paying attention, but for those that are, um, that haven't been, I should say, here's here's what you need to know. First off, Ron Rivera is in charge. He is the coach, but he is the main football voice, and Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney report to him. That's been said. That's been stated. I've I've brought this up before on the podcast, but that was a, that was a point of emphasis again today. At one point, uh, Martin Mayhew was asked about sort of how these all these decision makers are going to come together. Obviously, Mayhew and Herney have both been general managers before, where they had essentially the final say to to some degree, and. Um, Mayhew used the term collaboration, collaborative effort, but he also said that Ron will have the final say in the decisions. And that is, you know, it doesn't really, beyond that, that's what's important. Whatever exactly Marty, uh, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney are doing in terms of evaluating college players, free agents, dealing with salary cap, all those things are important, but it ultimately just, they're going to figure out how to work together and, and present information to Ron Rivera and go from there. Uh, Ron Rivera, I thought, made an interesting point at one at one stage about he doesn't think that any of these guys have big enough egos that it's going to cause any friction when it comes to having to make a decision. We'll see how that goes. 
<laughs> all these guys have been powerful men before, so you know egos are interesting, interesting thing for to say the least. So we'll see how that how that goes. Um, and, and and I'll actually you know what let's just do this right here. Here's Ron Rivera. He's asked by our friend Matt Paris, who was on the podcast with me Monday, about when did he start to determine he needed a general manager, and. I follow up with a question about what happened with Kyle Smith. Let's get into Ron Rivera today on those topics. Hey, Ron, why did you want to hire a GM and when did you decide that this was the path you wanted to go? You know, um, probably about the, the, the middle of the season. Um, you know, I, 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 and honestly, I just finished my, um, my, my, my treatment and thinking about all the work that I was doing Think about all the work that Rob Rogers was handling. Um, you know, Rob Rogers is a hero throughout this whole this whole process because here's a guy that not only did his job, but but he really picked up a lot of my slack as well uh, with the daily administrative stuff. And and quite honestly, it was taking away from from his own duties. I mean, he he, he was tremendous. He really was. And, and he and you know, uh, Mr. Snyder and I really have, have talked to, to about a great deal about the the. Um, the fortune of having a guy like Rob Rogers, but what we, what, what we were looking at in our discussion was, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of things that go on that I really can't handle. Um, and I really truly needed to have somebody come in that can really, you know, set things up for us. Um, you know, there was a, a lot of things that I'm used to doing. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm used to seeing being done a specific way. And I just felt bringing a veteran uh, general manager into the mix would be a, a much more beneficial for us as a football team uh, and would take uh, a lot of those duties and responsibilities off, off of my plate uh, and would also take it off of Rob Rogers. Uh, as I said, Rob was a hero throughout this, this entire uh, season. I mean, he, he's one of those behind the scenes guys that just will not get enough credit. Um, so that's really kind of what the genesis was for me. And, and, and the later we went into the season and, you know, have things come up, you know, like I would try to start watching practice after, you know, we got off the field. I would do the press conference with you guys. I would grab something quick to eat and I'd set up to start watching tape. And then Rob would have to come in and say, hey, coach, we got to take a look at this. Hey, coach, can we go through this? Hey, coach, let's go through the roster. Let's coach. We got to go through who the, who, who the actors are going to be in that. I mean, so now all of a sudden I'm in the middle of, of trying to watch the team, but now I'm trying to do the other parts of it that are for the team. And so just thinking that, you know, what we needed to do was we needed to bring an extra set of eyes in. And as, as I said, to, to, to my benefit, to this organization's benefit, uh, we were able to get two extra sets of eyes, uh, two very experienced guys in the league. So that was really the genesis for this whole, uh, entire situation for me. Hey, Ron, as a, as a follow-up to that, um, you brought in these experienced guys, but you also let some people go, namely uh, Kyle Smith. Why did you decide to move on from him as well as some of the other guys? And why maybe didn't you see him as somebody that could help you in the way that you were just uh, describing? Well, in, 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 in the big scheme of things for me, you know, when, when you're changing things and, and you look at things, I was in a place for nine seasons. And quite honestly, it was, it was a great opportunity for start fresh. Okay, and, 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 and as we go forward, um, you know, I'm going to make decisions that I think are, are best for us because I believe they help us. Now, Kyle did a great job here. He really did. He did some really good things. Um, he's been part of some things that happened here. 
And um, just looking at it, I, I just thought it was an opportunity for us to go forward. And uh, really happy for him that he got the Atlanta job. I think it's a great situation for him to start fresh and start new. All right. So, look, I mean, I think the fact that Ron Rivera says he wanted more experience, I, I get that. I mean, it's not – it doesn't come as a surprise. And obviously, Mayhew and Herney bring that. You know, whatever Kyle Smith's upside is, he's still a pretty young guy, 36 years old. There are certain things he has not – have he's not done yet he has not been a full-throated executive in that way this past year was his first year as vp of player personnel um now could he have handled some of these extra responsibilities that rivera is talking about i suspect the answer is yes to some degree you kind of wonder maybe at least i wonder why not bring in one of these people and then have kyle smith sort of be the other person to learn along the way at the same time I'll, uh, i should note that rivera said today that eric stokes was promoted let me uh let me find the um, exact title here but eric stokes was promoted and of course that is interesting um to say the least considering that eric stokes was was given the opportunity to interview for the gm job where kyle smith was not stokes was promoted rivera said to senior director of player personnel so to i guess you know you could say maybe he's the younger guy being groomed he also of course is part of the carolina set up with Rivera and Herney down there. The familiarity, we've talked about that plenty. Rivera values that, to say the least. Um, look, at the end of the day, I, I've talked to some people around the league who think getting rid of or letting Kyle Smith get away is a mistake. But, you know, I, I, I think most people also concur that Ron Rivera should be able to bring in who he wants. And obviously, Herney and May, you have, have you know, largely solid track record. So if, if that's where he felt he needed to go, he brings in two people for that spot. I get it. Um, I think there's more to say on the Kyle Smith front. I'm going to get into that on, on the athletic, but I think, I guess you could just say that uh, it's not just Kyle Smith, but if you look at the four people that were let go, Kyle Smith, Jeff Scott, Brian Zakius, and Cole Spencer, their titles are kind of, you know, uh, whatever. They, they, they were all part of the front office, primarily on the pro side. I think for some, there is a connection there. If you're wondering why those four people, I think there is some connection to the fact that they're all, I guess, either directly viewed as as having been connected to Bruce Allen, and that there may be a, a push from inside the building to move out Bruce Allen acolytes, as it were. I, which isn't to say that any of these four people were, you know, talking with Bruce Allen with, with any regularity or sharing any secrets. But you know, obviously, Dan Snyder is going through a lot right now with his minority ownership. Uh, with minority owners, there, there's a fight on that front. Uh, there's even just the idea of, of he's clearly trying to make a break from what happened in the past, not just with the hiring of Rivera, but lots of other people in the organization, Jason Wright and Julie Donaldson and so on, and that to purge himself from those past, um, th th from that past, maybe something he was looking to do. And again, there's other people that are still there um, who had, uh, you know, uh, Cole Spencer, one of the the scouts I mentioned, there's, a, there's another person in the organization who is essentially has the same role. He's out, Nicole, Nicole Spencer's out, but uh, David Wigginton is in. I won't even, we don't have to go any further on that. I, I can't speak exactly to what's happened. I'm just saying, I think there is at least some wonder why those four people and one consideration you know, that, that's been mentioned to me is the idea that maybe they were tied to Bruce Allen in, in some ways. In any event, Ron Rivera is allowed to bring in who he wants to bring in. And it's not really a big surprise, no matter what the reason, um, that he 
wanted to add some people that he's familiar with, especially in the case of Marty Herney. Martin Mayhew's been in the, around the league for you know, ever as a former player uh, and front office uh, executive. So there's a lot of familiarity there. There's a lot of experience there. I get it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear of other hirings with people tied to Carolina as well. Um, Mayhew did say he doesn't anticipate any other changes in the front office and that he liked what he, what he saw from the college scouting department down at the senior bowl. So, so that's a good sign, I guess, for those people. Uh, one other thing here with regards to the quarterback, we asked a bunch of questions, as you might imagine, about what's the plan at quarterback. No, no Matthew Stafford. I asked about that. What, you know, why the push there? And basically Ron Rivera's answer to almost everything was some form of, we're going to look at all our options, hang tight. He said, he, he did say that he doesn't think it's imperative that they add a go-to starting quarterback this year. I don't know if I buy that. Uh, yeah, I mentioned before the idea that they uh, last year made a push to get Amari Cooper, who to me was clearly the number one wide receiver in free agency, and they didn't get Cooper, even though they made a strong offer. But they then didn't just go and spend the money on somebody else. They waited patiently, and uh, you know they ultimately didn't spend big in free agency, as we know, at that position. Um, I can't imagine a quarterback, though, it's the exact same thing. I think Matthew Stafford was the version of Amari Cooper. They made a play, didn't didn't work out. As I mentioned uh, in a previous podcast, I was told that Washington offered a first and a third, which is in line with the deal that the Lions got, except that the Lions got the extra first-round pick for taking on Jared Goff's contract, and Washington wasn't really didn't have that type of play uh, to go with. So, um, I, you know, what does that mean, though? Who do they get? What do they do? Well, that's a big question, and it's hard to answer that exactly. Obviously, we have a long ways to go. Um, he was asked about Cam Newton, was, you know, not gave, gave a non-answer there. But Ron was also asked about Alex Smith and whether he's definitely coming back. And Ron Rivera gave a sort of a non-committal there answer as well. I, again, my personal take right now on February 3rd is I just can't see how Alex Smith is part of this as the starter. And, you know, I, I think Kyle Allen will be back. Taylor Heineke could be. I just can't see how Alex Smith is back as the starter. And even if he takes a bit of a pay cut, it, how is he not the starter if he's back with those other guys? So my guess as it stands, and that's more of a guess than anything, is that uh, he would not return. But we'll see what happens. It all depends on who's out there. And I, I do believe that Rivera won't just go crazy and go for any quarterback. But there's some out there. There's just nobody that's. Everybody out there has some sort of flaws, and that's the issue why Stafford was the most interesting as it stands. Again, if Deshaun Watson becomes available, that's a whole other story. Um, all right, so that's it for that. Some I'll, I'll, I'll write more about this over on The Athletic. But let's get to my interview with Jay Gruden. A really fun interview, as I said. Got into a lot of the important topics that you guys care about. Uh, he's candid. He's fun. Um, and um, he's out of a job. <laughs> we talked about that, too, about what his future holds. His, his, his time in Washington, his recent comments about Dan Snyder, the whole Dwayne Haskins draft, uh, everything uh, there and more. We'll get to that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, as promised, uh, joining us here on the Standard Room Only podcast, big guest, former Washington. Well, wait, I don't know how to address this. You're the former Washington Redskins head coach, but now that's they're, they're the Washington football team. But you know who he is, Jay Gruden. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, the, the whole name thing, it's been a year of this. I, I, I no longer call it the old name, but I still don't know how to reference things in past tense. It's very, uh, it's, it's, all, it's, it's all confusing. And this whole name is uh, weird. What do you think of Washington football team, the, the name? Like it's, could, it could stay to you uh, as, just as a name. What, what, do you, uh, what do you think about that? Well, we kind of went through this uh, my entire tenure there about changing the name and there's a time to change the name. And, uh, you know, obviously Dan and, and Bruce and, and the guys were adamant about not changing the name uh, and for good reason, really. There's a lot of tradition with the name and uh, a lot of great things as a result of that name. A lot of people, uh, you know, live and die by that Washington old football team name and uh, a lot of pride, a lot of ex-players, a lot of alumni. Um, but unfortunately, uh or however you want to look at it. Fortunately, they changed the name, and I'm sure they'll come up with a dandy of a name here in the next year or so. Anything better than a football team, right? Well, well, that's kind of what I was wondering. I mean, the football team is sort of a clunky, awkward name, and that's why I was like, in those times when you were behind the scenes, did you guys ever discuss, like, what you would change it to? No. Like, was I, I, don't, I don't mean even for serious, just for fun, even. Never a thought that they were going to change the name. I thought if they were, they should just call it the D.C. Redskins, but, uh, you know, that was <laughs> – <laughs> I guess I can't say that word anymore. So I'm sorry for offending anybody. Um, yeah, well, we've moved on from from that as, as, as a topic, uh, and we'll see what they do ultimately with that name. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things I do want to talk to you about with regards to, to to the team and all that. But and you had some interesting comments uh, recently. But with all that said, I guess I just want to catch up with you. You obviously just finished the season with Jacksonville as as the offensive coordinator there. Um, how was your first season kind of being off the the main podium as the head coach and being um, in this other role um, working with it and working with a different team and a different place and all that yeah it was great you know we had a lot of fun had a good staff had, you know the players were good um, it was just a tough year all around you know we had a, a lot of uh, issues uh, obviously we didn't have a great year the year before I was here and I then made a change at the coordinator position they have a lot of holes uh, a lot of youth on that football team and and uh, we knew it was kind of a do or die situation with Coach Marone. Um, you know, he was on the hot seat, one of the hottest seats around in, in the NFL. And we knew we had to win right away. And unfortunately, we didn't get it done. But as far as going back to being a coordinator, working with uh, the coaches, Keenan McCardell, George Warhop, all those guys and the quarterbacks, Glennon and Minshew, and obviously Jake Luton, it, it was some fun. And uh, some youth at receiver with LaVisca Chenault and Colin Johnson, and obviously DJ Charkey, still a young player, and, and Keelan Cole. Um, there's a lot of room to grow here, but they're very young. And uh, obviously uh, we didn't get it done uh, good enough to stay. To, to the degree that you kind of walk into the situation, knowing, like you said, that it's, it's kind of a win or go home with, with, it, with this coaching staff. How hard was that to implement a brand new system? You're coming in. I mean, it's not, you know, you're, you're coming in, you have to acclimate yourself to these new people, new quarterback, new situation to then get something up, knowing that if you don't win and win pretty quick, that it could go the way that it, that it did? Well, it's hard for a lot of reasons. One, we didn't have any OTAs. And, and I've always said that repetition is king, especially for quarterbacks. And to lose that whole offseason program for a young quarterback like Gardner Minshew or uh, Jake Luton coming in as a rookie or even Mike Glennon coming into the system for the first time, all three quarterbacks didn't have any experience in it, really. Uh, it was tough. And obviously, defensively, there's a lot of youth on defense. And Coach Wash, uh, he needed a lot of reps as well. Uh, and to lose that for a young football team is not good. If you had a lot of veterans, you may not need it as much, but we needed every single rep. And then, uh, and then COVID hit a little bit on our team. So we had all Zoom meetings uh, throughout the week. We never saw the players until they came out to practice. And there's really no hands-on. You felt like it was a Zoom 
football season. It was weird. Even during a game, you guys are separated all over the bench. You can't find the line. Where the hell's everybody at? You know, they're all separated. This is a unique year. Um, I'm glad I did it though. Uh, uh, unfortunately we didn't get it done, but it was, it was still fun to hang out with the guys and, and teach our system and, uh, success didn't follow, but still, uh, there's a lot to be proud of what we accomplished, uh, as a staff. Um, you mentioned Gardner Minshew. I mean, I was, you know, obviously he had uh, an interesting rookie season, you know, kind of from a seventh round pick and had some, some immediate success and Minshew mania and all that fun stuff. And then the second year doesn't necessarily go, it doesn't kind of keep going up for him. Um, as a guy who is known for his quarterback coaching, yeah. do, you look, do you look and think to yourself that the next time I have a job, I'm going, only going to a place where I have an established quarterback already, seeing how the last two years you've had these up and down situations at that position? Yeah, you know, I was counted. I think I had 10 different starting quarterbacks in two and a half years, and uh, that usually doesn't translate to a lot of success, you know. <laughs> Just, yeah. Josh Johnson, Case Keenum, Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Mike Glennon, Gardner Minshew, uh, Jake Luton. Uh, there's a few more in there. I, I think Dwayne, I forgot. Dwayne so oh, Mark Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, I guess Haskins didn't start for you. I guess actually. Haskins, played. yeah. Haskins played though. So I've actually had to, you know, coach 10 different quarterbacks and, and try to get game plans together. So that's tough. That's for sure. You obviously want to go to a situation with an established quarterback, but usually the ones that have good quarterbacks, they keep their jobs because they win, you know? So, <laughs> so. It, it, it's tough, you know, but uh, the challenge is there. You know, there's talent on this roster, and I didn't get enough out of Gardner. I didn't get enough out of Mike Glennon, obviously. Didn't get enough out of Keenum when he was a starter. And unfortunately, he got hurt. Um, so they got to make a change, and hopefully uh, Urban Meyer and his new system will do wonders for the Jacksonville community. So um, so right now, so, the, so you are not staying in Jacksonville. Like, what's your – yeah, I guess you have a thought what kind of what, what, where you're at right now, like what's going to what your deal is going into to next year. Actually bought a place down here in Jacksonville. I'll tell you what, Jacksonville's a great place to live. The weather's great right here by the beach. You got a mile to a golf course. So I, I do like it here. Uh, um, but my next step, I don't know yet. I, I think football uh, this year, probably out of the question. I think most of these stabs are filled up uh, right now. So I might try my hand uh, in the media part of it. We'll see. You know, I got a couple things lined up uh maybe try my hand at commentating studio something like that if i can get lucky enough to get one of those jobs it'd be great to keep my uh you know keep alive in the football world i love the game love to talk about the game i uh, love to be part of it still sitting out is not really an option but uh if that's what i have to do then i'll have to do that for a year um what uh, from like a commentator standpoint like what do you want like what would you want to do you want to be like a play-by-play -play or, or an analyst on a game or a guy in the studio uh, talking that way or, i'd probably or, rather do the game uh color but uh, uh studios uh where it's at and i could do that as well i like i'd like to try either one of them something something one of them would be great you know i feel like i have a lot to offer as an analyst uh uh either in studio or as a color guy in the booth you, you have the tony romo predictive skills where you can see the play at the line of scrimmage and then tell the audience what's going to happen i, I right could do it every time he's only right like 30 percent of the time <laughs> those are usually pretty obvious i mean <laughs> nobody talks about the times when he's wrong but when he's right holy cow he's a genius oh come on man sure it's a run oh it's a pass sorry i was wrong so like when you're watching a game on tv i mean because it, it, it does seem like a party trick to the rest of us to some degree when you're watching it on tv you you, you really think you can tell to that degree what's going to happen right before it goes a lot of times you have some pre-snap keys that you can tell uh you know um but sometimes you're you know 
some of these RPOs a lot that Kansas City runs, I mean, you can't tell what the linebacker is going to do. They're reading the linebacker. So if he fills, they're going to throw it. And if he plays soft, they're going to hand it off. So it's your 50-50 on all those. Uh, but some of the play passes, some of the shot plays, you got to have a pretty good instinctual feel uh, based on formation, maybe the stance by the deep offensive lineman, the offensive tackles, uh, what have you. But uh, yeah, there's some uh, educated guess to it, uh, but you're never going to be 100% right. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, obviously it, you can't always tell if you could, then obviously probably not doing a good job on the offense as part of disguising the play, but nonetheless, it's interesting, uh, you know, no matter what we all think on the side, whether media or fans, it's a different level that you guys are at all consumed by it. It's your, it's your natural language almost <laughs> the idea of, of all those, all that level of uh, X's and O's, um, with, with regards to the coaching, uh, I guess a lot of people would probably just assume maybe somehow you latch on with your brother in Vegas. Is that something that you guys ever discuss? Like the idea of you guys reuniting on the coaching staff at this point, or is that not really something you're kind of. Uh, not this year. No, uh, maybe next year, the year after, who knows what, what'll be in store. I don't want to ever want to shut anything out, any possibilities out, but I'd obviously love to go work for him again. Uh, if the situation presents itself, but he's got a good staff in place right now. They did some great things on offense. I think Derek Carr had his best year ever as a quarterback. They're efficient in the red zone, third downs. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, they have some needs they have to address. Um, you know, they got to, you know, get their staff ready to go. They, they hired Gus Bradley, so that'll help, uh, I'm sure, uh, with some continuity there, um, get some players in the draft, and I think they'll be instant contenders. Uh, but if the, next year or the year after the situation presents itself, then sure, I'd go back. Um, I know, like, after the last season with Washington, I, I, my, my sense was that you were looking to maybe even just, like, sort of sit out the year. Obviously, you were still under contract. For Washington, so still getting some 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 money from them. Um, but then you did jump back into Jacksonville. I guess you because of the way the season went in Jacksonville. Do you think that that maybe hurt you right now in terms of uh, the other other people looking at you as a as a viable candidate, whether offensive coordinator or head coach or any other position, or is it just? Yeah, I think that like could have hurt me a little bit. You know, when you go one and fifteen, it's not like people are going to be slamming at your door to try to get you on their staff. You know what I mean? There's still a lot of, there's a lot of people that are up and coming from other successful staffs. You know, obviously uh, the Rams lost a guy. They've had some success offensively. Uh, you know, the bears, you know, they, they did some good things later in the year. They hired uh, Dave Ragone. Uh, obviously there's some other teams that have done some good things that you, that they get plucked off of. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm glad I did it. Um, Coach Marone called me, offered me an opportunity to interview and, uh, I love Jacksonville, love Florida. Had the job been in Buffalo or had the job been in Detroit, I probably wouldn't have taken it. But since it was Jacksonville, Florida, I jumped on it and, uh, you know, had some fun. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I mean, look, life, life is an experience. I think we all take it like too seriously sometimes the idea of what we're, you know, what you guys are doing, but like, yeah, it's, this is fun, right? I mean, this is it, be, being a, being a coach or whatever it's, you know, it beats digging ditches as they say. Right. So it's not like the, <laughs> it's the worst thing yeah, that's happening. It, is it's coaching fun. A there is some times where it can be quite the grind though. You know, you're talking about when you're one and seven, one and eight, it's a Tuesday morning, you're up at three o'clock in the morning, you're trying to come up with a plan it's, and you got some injuries and you're like, how the hell are we going to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? You know, it, it, it becomes quite a grind. Yeah. Um, if it, if it, if you let it, you know what I mean? I try not to let it get to me and try to be upbeat, try to be positive as much as I can have some fun with the job uh, because you're right. At the end of the day, it is, it is a fun job. You know, coaching football is a lot of fun. Uh, losing is not fun at all though. You know, that, that has taken its toll on me. I think I'm one in my last 20. Uh, so ideally uh, if I do get back in and I like to get somewhere where uh, success is in the near future, that's for sure. Cause <laughs> 
losing is not fun, but coaching is. Yeah, no, for 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 sure. Um, we're here talking with uh, with Jay Gruden. You mentioned the grind, and, and let me ask you this: Obviously, you had your own experience down in Jacksonville, one and fifteen. The year up here in Washington was off the charts crazy. Obviously, on the field, they ended up turning some things around, and, and you know, seven and nine—a record that you're familiar with from when you were here. I think you had at least a seven and nine record for your five full seasons. They did because the NFC East was weird this year. They make the playoffs, but so much else was happening. Obviously on and off the field with this team. When you talk about the grind, could you have imagined, I guess, if you had been the head coach still having to deal with everything that happened with this team up here this year? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, comes with the territory, being a head coach. There's a lot of issues that you have to deal with. Obviously, the Washington football team probably had more this year than uh, most, uh, you know, especially starting with Coach Rivera's cancer. I mean, first of all, I got to applaud him and uh, his mental toughness and his ability to still coach that football team and be a leader uh, despite going through what he had to go through. Um, uh, very happy that he's doing well. Um, but all the other off the field things, uh, you just got to stand tall and stick your chest out and be positive and uh, try to get the team on path uh, on the right path as far as uh, reaching their goals, winning football games and uh, staying focused on what's important. That is every single day doing better, getting yourself better in practice and in the meetings and coming out on Sunday and performing at your best abilities. And, I think he did a good job of uh, managing through all that and keeping his team focused on the job at hand. How <clears throat> look, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I certainly have some jealous times in my life where I look at other situations. I look at people who maybe are doing things that I was wish I was doing, or I had, you know, that maybe I, they had a job that I want or whatever and, or the job I used to have in this case, do you ever, and I would struggle with that sometimes and think to myself, you know, screw, 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 screw them. I don't want them to do well. Or maybe I'm, or, or maybe I'm, it's just a petulant moment and I get past it quick enough. How was that for you? Did you have any of those moments where, you, where you're watching Washington thinking, <laughs> screw, screw, screw them? Or like, do you just, or do you got to move past that once you, once you were out, you had you, no, no hard feelings. You don't care. Whatever happens, happens. I think uh, there's some, there's a little bit of that human part of it. Uh, but being in, since I've been in football, since I was a kid, my dad was a coach and we've been fired. He's been fired. Um, my brother's been fired. I've been fired. Now, if you hate everybody that fired you, you're not going to like anybody. So, you know, you have to let it go eventually. You know, I remember watching the Bucks game. I was at my brother's house watching the Bucks game and uh, everybody's rooting against the Bucks. You know, they let us, they let us all go there. And I was like, come on, man. That was, that was 10, 12 years ago. Let's, let's, let's root for Tom Brady here. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but you know, there's still some of that that are deep down inside that you, uh, you know, you root for some failure, but uh, not me. I think there's a lot of players there that I really have a lot of respect for, and I like to see them succeed. Brandon Sheriff, Jonathan Allen, Ron, you know, Payne, and you know, obviously Cole Holcomb and Terry McLaurin. And I mean, there's so many players there that uh, I have a lot of respect for, and I hope they have success. Uh, it wouldn't be fair to them. But I hope that they lose and, and all that every week. So I'm um, happy for the players that they had success, got to the playoffs again. Um, I think the future is very bright there with the defense that they have, the personnel. We spent a lot of time there uh, trying to rebuild that defense uh, when I was there, getting the, the Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen's in there and Matt Ioannidis and Cole Holcomb's and, and guys like that in there. I'm glad to see it paying off and they playing very well on defense. I mean, one thing that's interesting about this team now, because, <clears throat> because of the fact that, you know, the seven and nine record is not that exciting, but they win five of the last seven, they win the division. And there is a sense, some reality that there's so many young players on this team that there's a reason to think that there could, that there's upside going forward. Uh, obviously four straight years drafting of the defensive lineman in the first round, 
you mentioned Terry McLaurin was a guy that, that, that was drafted when you were there. Obviously, they had drafted Chase Young and Antonio Gibson this year. But you know, a lot of the young guys they have are from your era. And that's the basis of thinking that this team can go forward. So do you kind of look at that with some pride that like a lot of the things that are happening here that are viewed as positively started with your your time? Yeah, for sure. I absolutely do. And, and uh, like I said, I love watching those guys play. We drafted them for a reason. And uh, not only for their skill as a football player, but for their off the field and uh, uh, their makeup, their their mental makeup as a human being. Um, you know, there's some great kids on that team, and there really are, that are going to really uh, demand greatness uh, from people around them. Um, they're going to play hard. They're going to practice hard. They're going to be great off the field. Uh, now it's just a matter of getting some key pieces in there and they'll be competitive for a lot of years. Uh, so hopefully they figure out what they want to do at certain key positions and, and move forward. But uh, definitely take a lot of pride in the fact that uh, we did do some good things there personnel wise, just my last year there, none of them ever played, you know, they're, they're all hurt. You know, you lose your quarterback, your left tackle holds out, your right guard gets hurt. You know, Terry McLaurin missed a Giants game and he wasn't ready. Keenum got hurt against the Giants. We had to play Haskins, uh, you know, uh, in there. Unfortunately, he wasn't quite ready, obviously. Um, you know, defensively, we're kind of limping around a lot. You know, it's been nice to play or coach there with the full tank of gas. My last two years there, we were uh, really reeling with the injury part of it. You know, 30, 40 guys on IR every year. It's tough, um, you know. Um, and then, uh, obviously, the uh, quarterback position when you're playing three, four, five, six guys in two years, you know, after Kirk left, you know, it becomes difficult as well. But Alex was the key. You know, when you lose Alex, you know, you're six and three. You've got a two-game lead in the division. When you lose your starting quarterback to a broken leg, uh, as tragic as that was, what happened after all that, and then Colt McCoy breaks his leg the week after, uh, you're not going to have much success. I don't care who you are as a coach. Right. When you're bringing in guys off the street, I mean, obviously it was weird watching. If you're teaching a snap count week 12, it's never a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I I can imagine. Um, I, I guess to that end, like going into that last season, did it seem like you were, do you feel like you were maybe set up to fail because of the fact that just you mentioned all these things that were going on, even just the drafting of Haskins, which I want to get to in a second, but just the idea of, uh, uh, it just seemed obvious, a guy who, a rookie quarterback who was as inexperienced as he is, regardless of how it worked out for a coach that clearly you, it felt obvious from the outside that you needed to win to keep things going. Did it feel like you were kind of set up to fail? Well, I knew we had our issues. That's for sure. Uh, and, uh, it was going to be difficult. Still, we're going to go in there and compete. You know, my biggest issue I had as a coach was uh, uh, usually in the offseason, right around training camp or in the OTA situation, they, the, the coaches that have one-year contracts left, they get an extension and they wouldn't extend them. That's kind of when I knew uh, the pressure was going to be very high on us to win early. And uh, I knew it was going to be a very tough task with the players that we had that were playing in those games with the injuries that we had, obviously Trent holding out. Uh, uh, I knew it was going to be tough with new quarterbacks and, and all that. So uh, still, we, we gave it the best shot we had. And unfortunately, we didn't get it done. But uh, definitely was was tough, tough situation, tough hand. Yeah, uh, for, for, for sure. Um, you uh, you spoke the other day with the Washington Post uh, after Kyle Smith's exit uh, from here. And you gave an interesting quote. I'm just going to read it for the audience uh, here. Quote, every year that I was there. We had a pretty good draft class with a couple of exceptions. Uh, Smith was really good about listening to the coaches because the coaches also did evaluations. When it came our time to pick, we'd always talk about the picks, where we'd like to go, what happens if, in parentheses, the player is gone and did our did all our scenarios. And then, 
in parentheses, owner Daniel Snyder would come in off his yacht and make the pick. Obviously, that's a fun quote uh, for all of us. Uh, what, what Are you talking about any specific pick? I mean, we're all sort of assuming you're talking about Dwayne, ha the Dwayne Haskins pick, but is there anything in particular that you're talking about when you kind of make that comment? Well, first and foremost, he is the owner. Uh, let's get that square. So if he wants to come off his yacht or if he wants to come off his tennis court, wherever he's at, and make a pick, he has that right. You know, I always tell people that, hey, if you have a problem with the owner, then get yourself 5 or $6 billion and buy your own team. Until that time, he's the boss. So if he wants to pick somebody, he can pick them. And I have really, at the end of the day, that's what you have to live with. You know, that's that's the case in probably 50, 60% of the teams in the NFL. Some owners are active, some owners aren't active. And, and the ones that are active, you have to uh, live with the fact uh, they're going to make the ultimate decision, whether it's a free agent, high-paid free agent, uh, a free agent we let go, we let walk, or what have you. Uh, he has the ultimate say. And uh, that's not going to change until he decides he wants to change. So I guess he's given up total responsibility and total uh, uh, power to Coach Rivera, which is a good thing, I think. Uh, but when I was there, that wasn't the case. You know, he had final say over everything. He and Bruce Allen would talk about it and they would make the decision and we would, you know, we live by it. And that's fine. I signed up for that. I knew that was the case going in and um, that's just the way it was. So the we've heard all the stories about that and I've heard it and reported this and others have as well, that he effectively, whatever you guys originally wanted to do at 15, I'm curious what you think the plan would have been otherwise, that he came in and, and said, I want Dwayne Haskins. We've heard all the reasons. One, you just need a quarterback. Two, Haskins has local ties, whatever, whatever it is. Is that effectively kind of what happened, that you guys had a plan and that he did come in and say, no, I want the quarterback? Well, there are definitely other scenarios we would like to have gone by. Uh, we knew we needed a quarterback, though. I mean, so at the end of the day, uh, it's not like Dwayne was a, uh, is not a good prospect. He, he's a good prospect. He's a young football player with a lot of talent. So it's not the end of the world we took Dwayne. We just didn't think we had to take him that high. Uh, uh, we thought he, we might be able to get him later, which may or may not have been true. Uh, that's just what we, we thought as a staff, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinator, Kyle, myself, we thought we may be able to get a quarterback later. Uh, if we lost Dwayne, that there was a couple other ones later, we might be able to get to come in and uh, maybe compete with uh, Case. And plus, there was still hope uh, in the back of our minds that Alex would come back. So uh, it was a really tough situation, really not knowing uh, Alex and his comeback attempt. Was it a legit comeback attempt? I mean, the, the things that he went through, I didn't think he'd ever play again personally. Uh, but Alex is Alex and he's the toughest son of a bitch I've ever met. Uh, and he did come back. So knowing that, would you have taken a quarterback in the first round? You know what I mean? He probably wouldn't have, if he knew he was coming back, but there was indecision there, whether he was coming back or not, or the time frame of that. So we did need a quarterback. Uh, obviously Daniel Jones was gone. Uh, uh, and then he was the next highest rated quarterback on, uh, obviously Bruce and Danza's list. And, uh, that's who they picked. Did you, Daniel Jones, obviously, well, I think what six, you guys had the 15th pick. Was there any thought of trading up if you, if you knew that he was going to possibly go that high? And if so, like, what were you? No, we were going to sit there and wait and, uh, and see, you know, like I said, there was, uh, wasn't uh, in my mind. And, and I think a lot of people's minds, we didn't think there was a quarterback there in that draft class. It was worth losing a lot of draft capital in the future to trade up and go get. Uh, we thought we'd get one at 15 or we could thought we'd get one uh, in, the, in the second round or possibly even the third round. There's some guys out there uh, that were worth looking at as well. So, uh, but as it worked out, you know, history obviously is in the books and we took Dwayne and 
And unfortunately, uh, we didn't get enough out of him as my first year, and obviously it didn't work out uh, with Coach Rivera either. Um, you guys trade back into the first round that year to get Montez Sweat. Was he the plan at 15 if you guys had not gone with uh, Haskins? Yeah, Sweat was there. Uh, I remember Savage was there, the safety nickel uh, from uh, who went to the Green Bay. We liked him a lot. Uh, needed some more speed back there in the secondary. We thought that he could run and hit, and we liked him a lot. Obviously, Sweat was there. We need another pass rusher since we lost Preston, uh, which, you know, that's just another story. Uh, but, yeah, so um, there were some other scenarios there. Um, what, what, uh, Preston Smith, what, 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 what was well, that I story? love Preston. Everybody knows I like Preston. I mean, golly, he's 25 years old. He's six foot five, 265 pounds. Never missed a down. And, uh, you know, he's a uh, good football. I, I hate losing young, talented, durable, uh, productive pass rushers, defense alignment. You know what I mean? Those are hard to find in the college ranks. And i fortunately, we were lucky enough to get sweat, uh, and, and trade up and get sweat. Uh, and he's done some good things for him too, but uh, I prefer to keep the young big studs. Uh, but it worked out for him because they got sweat, and obviously they got the guy this year from Ohio State. So, like the idea though, whether it's Preston Smith specifically or other things, is that a scenario of like where the coaching staff's view is being overridden by other forces that are not like you wanted? Yeah, to you know, when it comes to salary cap and, and big contracts, you know, that's kind of where. Uh, we say who we want to keep and all that stuff. But if the guy is getting huge offers and we don't want to match it, we want to uh, move on. Uh, that's up to Bruce and Dan and some of the scouts back there, Kyle, and some of those other guys back there in the back. Uh, we just give our uh, information, who we like, who we don't like, and who we like to see walk or who we like to see re-sign. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, um, Eric Schaefer and those guys who did this contracts, they know more about the big picture salary cap. Uh, than we probably do as coaches, unfortunately, and, and uh, we couldn't get it done and uh, had to move on. Um, to go back to the owner involvement and stuff, again, Haskins is the one pick that we all sort of gravitate towards and say this is where his, uh, his recent involvement has been in play. Obviously, for those of us who've been paying attention for the last two decades are aware he's interjected himself in other ways. Were there other picks or other signings over the last – during your time – that you can point to and say, this is where, again, whatever, whatever you think of it, that where the owner sort of interjected himself into that decision. Oh, the owner. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, yeah, for sure there were, but like I said before, he is the owner, Dan or uh, Bruce is the president and those two guys had the power. So if they wanted a guy or didn't want a guy, then that was the case. You know, they would listen to the information uh, they'd get from the coaches and from the scouts. And uh, but at the end of the day, they had the final say. You know, over a high-paid free agent, uh, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a defensive lineman, whatever it might be, um, uh, they did have final say for sure. Uh, well, so just to just to poke on that a little bit more, so like a, like a sign like Josh Norman obviously was a, was a big signing um, coming a lot of hype coming off that Super Bowl run with Carolina. Is that a case where it, it, he, Josh signing Josh Norman seemed like exactly what Dan Snyder was doing earlier in his run? Um, was that an example of where? He may, he may be pushed, he pushed for something that ultimately you know, happened. Well, I think we all want a Josh. I like Josh and Josh didn't have the type of uh, seasons at Washington that I thought he would have, but I think Josh did some good things for us. I'm glad we got Josh. We were very short, very thin at the secondary uh, when I got here. Um, we needed corners. We needed corners bad. And I like Josh the way he played. I thought he was a tough corner, a good tackler, um, had great ball skills. Um, we just didn't put him in a great situation uh, over the years uh, to really uh, help him. Um, 
So partly that's our fault as a staff, but I still think Josh was a good signing for us. Okay. And like, just looking, I'm just looking through the draft history here. A lot of, I mean, it's, it's some of these draft picks, like, I don't know if, uh, if, uh, if drafting a, a Deron Payne or Jonathan Allen or um, the type of sexy picks we would imagine that an, an owner might get himself involved in. But I look at some guys like say a Darius Geis or a Bryce Love, guys who were coming out of college who had some big reputations or any of those kind of picks where somebody else beyond the coaching staff was sort of saying, Hey, these are the guys we want. Yeah, there, there were some, I, I don't want to get into and trying to uh, act like I'm the guru as far as drafted concerned. I just gave out the information that I, I, I watched a lot of tape. You know, I, I don't make a comment on a guy unless I watch the tape and really study the guy. You know what I mean? Um, so at the end of the day, I will give my input. That is going to be a given. I would give my input. That's for sure. And I would know what I'm talking about because I did the work. Uh, I didn't get my way all the time. Sometimes that was a good thing. You know, sometimes I was wrong on a guy. I've been wrong on guys before. I'll be wrong again. But uh, at least I put in a time and the work. And, and the guys that I'm arguing with, I want to make sure they put in a time and the work. Where it gets frustrating is, is the guys making a decision if they're not putting in the work. You know what I mean? They're just listening to the Internet or uh, watching the ESPN highlight or what have you. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'd say 85 to 90 percent of the time uh, we were making uh, pretty much football decisions that were good for the football team uh, and they were a company that everybody agreed on. Uh, but when I say everybody, I'll say the majority. So, but there were a few picks in there that, uh, you know, we had nothing to do with, but I don't need to go over all of those. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's gone. And, and uh, but for the most part, I think we did some good things in the draft and free agency and uh, tried to build that team from uh, I think, the good thing that I feel good about, I feel like I left the team in a better spot than when I acquired the team. Yeah, no, for sure. No, and, and and the idea of like, you know, look, the past is the past. This is how healthy people view the world. Like you, 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 you live in the moment and then you move forward. The rest of us <laughs> are, 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 I don't want to say our enjoyment, but we look back and wonder at all the times, especially when this team has been, you know, uh, you know, has this fits and starts to get, up to the next to the next level for whatever the reason and obviously there's just one common denominator at this point which is which is the ownership I, I, i'll I'll, I'll get off of that but i mean that's just from our perspective yeah. that's always the it's always uh, the thing and that's why we're, we're all wondering what's going to happen here with rivera going forward he does yeah like for the most part first. you know I, I was given every opportunity to succeed there we just didn't get it done um there were some decisions there that i wish we could have had back you know obviously we should have got more for kurt cousins that's the biggest thing that i think we should have got more for kurt cousins in a third round damn uh, conditional pick, you know, sure. that that's the big one. And the quarterback position is, is always critical. And we're able to trade for Alex Smith, um, redo his contract. And unfortunately he got hurt. And that puts a lot of, that, that puts your franchise back when you're you know, 70, $80 million quarterback breaks his leg and is out for a long time. That's going to put you back. I don't care who you are. You know, if it's Brady this year with the, with the bucks, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be where they're at. If it was Aaron Rodgers, they wouldn't be where they're at. Obviously, if Mahomes goes down, they wouldn't be where they're at. I don't know. They'd be talking about new staffs and all that stuff at, at those cities, probably. So uh, the quarterback position is critical, and that's something that uh, whatever franchise you're with, that's the number one position you have to address first. And you got to make sure you're you're set at that spot, and then everything else will fall into place, in my opinion. I, I love what-if scenarios. Uh, you know, always think about what if this had happened, whatever. Like you just mentioned the cousins things, and I don't know if that would be your ultimate what if scenario during your your five plus years 
with the team. But obviously that for him, it goes kind of both ways. What if you signed him to a long-term contract, thus he stays, or what if you had traded him and that's gotten a bunch of stuff for him? I don't know if that's your number one what-if scenario, but of those two for Kirk, what's the more what-if for you? Signing him and keeping him or trading him and using that stuff to, to help you? To help. I you think play. trade him and using that stuff would have made more sense at that time. There were some teams out there that really wanted him, obviously. Uh, he got a huge contract, and I think Kirk, uh, I don't think he really wanted to come back here. So it would have been different if Kirk really said, hey, I want to come back. I want to come back, man. Let's get it done. Let's work it out. We'll work together to get it done. I don't think that was ever the case. I think Kirk wanted to leave. Uh, uh, for whatever reasons, you know, whether they drafted Robert ahead of him, he always felt like he was being played second fiddle, uh, whatever it might have been for the reason, but I think Kirk wanted to get out of here. So I think the best scenario for us would have been to try to deal him uh, and get a number of picks. Uh, that would have been the most beneficial, which I think we could have done easily. How, how many picks was San Francisco offering? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it would have been a lot, but uh, we'll never know. We'll never know, Ben, we'll never know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, again, when I want to go back and relitigate all this, but the Kirk stuff, it was always fascinating. I always felt some good level bad for him because you get, I mean, as a rookie quarterback, you want to have the opportunity and you immediately see I'm blocked by a guy who's drafted in front of me. And simultaneously, I always thought it hurt Robert because Robert's ego or his, his insecurities probably came out knowing that this guy right behind me is playing pretty well. I always thought all in for week one was his saying, I'm not letting this guy on the field. I'm, I'm not no way I'm letting Kirk Cousins play because I fear it's going to happen. So I, I it just always felt like it was a weird dynamic. If you're going to go all in an RG3, don't draft the other guy yet simultaneously. I mean, I know you weren't there for that, but then drafting the other guy. Yeah. Um, well, the weird was, thing is the skill sets good. are entirely out there. They're opposite skill sets. You know, right. one's a drop back passer, true drop back passer. The other one's more of a, you know, zone read RPO type guy, which is, which is great, which is fine. You can win with those guys, but you'd like to think that if you're going to go with RG3, then, your backup would want to be somebody with a similar skill set. So you don't have to have two different offenses you're coaching. But, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, obviously still worked out for Kirk. He's doing quite well in Minnesota. And, and hopefully RG uh, gets healthy and, and uh, can make another run. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, I, I don't know to what degree you were able to watch Washington's games this year. Obviously, you got your own, you had your own day job um, and, and couldn't. But, I mean, you sure have some sense of what they were doing here offensively with Scott Turner's system and, and Ron Rivera's thinking in general. Um, Washington just made a big play for Matt Stafford, didn't get him. Uh, so now kind of figure out what they have. They obviously still have Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, and, and Taylor Heineke, more or less. The, the last two guys are free agents technically, but they, they can keep them on the cheap. And Alex, they have a decision to make. I would personally imagine you can't go into a season counting on Alex Smith as great as the story is. It's just the injuries and, and all that stuff. But all that said, there's not a ton of great other options out there. Um, and I'll, we'll, we'll put Deshaun Watson into a different category. Knowing what they want to do and seeing the quarterbacks out there, whether it's, I'm just making names, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, whomever. Do, are there, is there anybody you like out there that if you were in this spot that you would think, hey, I'd kind of, you know, if you could advise it, that I, you think makes a good marriage for, for, for these guys? Well, I think, first of all, they have to look at Alex, you know, and, and, and figure out, is he going to come back and does he want the job and is he really – feel like he can play 16 games uh, and stay healthy. You know what I mean? Um, so that's step number one. If they don't feel like he's going to play again, then they got to uh, think about getting a starter. But if Alex is going to come back, then, you know, get one of these quality backups or somebody to come in and compete like Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, those guys would be great to have because if Alex can't do it, these guys have done it. You know, Jameis Winston's thrown for a ton of yards. He's young. 
he's got a great arm. Uh, obviously, he's thrown a lot of interceptions, but he's got a good skill set. He, and uh, I think somebody's going to really relish the fact to get him because of his uh, skill set and his upside. I still think he has a lot of upside. Um, and Andy Dalton is uh, very similar to Alex. He will uh, be efficient with the football. Um, um, he won't drive the ball down the field as much, but uh, he will get the ball into the playmaker's hands, and, and those guys will do some good things for him. Um, as far as trading for Deshaun Watson, if you get an opportunity to do that, then that's something you probably have to take a look at. Those guys don't come around every year. But then you also have to look at where you're picking in a draft and uh, what one of these quarterbacks might fall to you, whether it's a kid from Florida, maybe a kid from Alabama. Uh, I don't know if the BYU kid will slip down there, uh, but there are some talented kids in the draft. You have to take a long look at those before you make any decisions as well. So uh, there's going to be some opportunities for them to get another quarterback on the field, uh, but I think they have to start in-house with uh, Alex and what he's going to do. And obviously the way Heineke played at the end there, uh, he, he has some skill. He's a tough kid. He runs around. Uh, he can move in the pocket. Uh, there might be some, uh, you know, merit to keeping him and Alex and then maybe drafting the guy in the first round or maybe later. Um, how do I ask this question? So Alex is a unique circumstance because of the injury history, obviously incredibly inspiring story. He did win his last five. They won their last five games with him as a starter. I don't even know sometimes how that happened, but that, that did happen. And obviously you mentioned he's a tough guy. He's just, you know, just incredible leadership and there's lots of positive, but it is, you know, still the leg is compromised. He couldn't play three of the last four games with his cap injury and, and we'll see, but, and he also has this big money on the salary cap and, and all that type of stuff. Um, but they also have Kyle Allen late in the season. Ron was asked if they could have won as much as they did without Alex Smith. He said, yes, we could have won with Kyle Allen. The Kyle Allen Rivera thing, the way Ron talked about him throughout the year, very clearly Ron has a lot of appreciation for a guy who, when you ask other people about him, would say, well, he's interesting as a backup, but you're really not a starter. And it always kind of reminds me to some degree of you talking about Colt McCoy. It seemed like you had belief in Colt McCoy that went beyond what the perception was from other people. And I'm just I'm wondering, I guess, do you see parallels between that? And what is it about that scenario? It's just a level of comfort that coaches can have with a quarterback knowing Forget upside. I know if I call play, this guy will run the play as as called, and that sometimes is what I'm looking for beyond somebody who may have more stuff. But yeah, there, there's intangibles that the outside people don't see. You know, the in-house intangibles, the leadership skills, uh, the way the way they call plays in the huddle, uh, the respect they get from the players around them, um, in the weight room, uh, in the meeting rooms, all that stuff that you don't see. You know, that there's more to the quarterback position than. Uh, throwing an 80-yard bomb, uh, perfect spiral. You know, there's getting the ball out of your hands. There's avoiding a the rush. There's uh, making the key audibles. Maybe it's in the running game. Maybe it's bringing a receiver motion to get to safety. Just doing things right uh, makes a coach feel pretty good about that. When I call a play, it's going to get executed properly. The quarterback's not going to mess it up. You know, obviously, uh, uh, Kyle's done that for uh, Coach Rivera, and I thought that it, it, at some point Colt would have done that for me, but he kept getting hurt, damn it. Uh, <laughs> you know, so – uh, unfortunately, we could never prove that, and uh, it's never really transpired. But uh, there is a lot of merit to having a coach-quarterback combo that they, they feel good about each other. They, they know that the quarterback is going to do exactly what is being taught and being told uh, and uh, can run the offense and run the show. Um, now, while I know you can't watch all the other teams in the league week in and week out because of getting your job, I assume you on some level were paying attention to, to the Raiders. Uh, they had Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Both of these guys are interesting this year with regards to the quarterback musical chairs. There was a Derek Carr rumor that just popped up yesterday that teams are interested in him and 
this, that, and the other. And obviously Mariota, it seems hard to imagine they both are back because of just, you know, from the salary cap perspective. Uh, what do you think about those guys just broadly? And then like specifically for a team like Washington that actually could maybe use a quarterback? Well, bro, I think Derek Carr uh, had his best year just from an outsider. You know, obviously my brother's there, but uh, watching them, I watched them as often as I could because we have similar type concepts and uh, I might steal a player formation or something like that from him. But just watching Derek Carr play this year, he was efficient. He was uh, pre-snap. He was outstanding. He was, uh, they did a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. Uh, where they would get man zone tips or read the safeties, get into a good run or get into a good pass. And uh, he would maximize uh, the information and get the Raiders into good plays on third down red zone. I think they were very efficient. So I think he had a great year. You know, unfortunately, defensively, they, they didn't get many stops. Uh, Marcus came in that one game that Derek got hurt. and He played very well for not getting uh, any reps. Uh, the issue you have with Marcus is long-term uh, health. You know, he's been hurt quite a bit as well. Uh, and he's a guy that runs around and has to, uh, for him to be successful, has to use that part of his game, his speed, his elusiveness to have success, you know. Uh, but he did do some good things in the pocket. And I think both quarterbacks uh, obviously um, deserve an opportunity. But Derek, I would jump on the fact to try to get Derek Carr. I mean, I think he's, yeah, I think he's one of the top quarterbacks, really. He played extremely well this year, really. Um. So I mean, obviously, we don't even know. I mean, you, you can just tell us. Do you think you think you think John's will open the trading? <laughs> I don't. I I don't. I, I don't know. I never know what John's going to do. Uh, but I, I would be. I'd be shocked, really. The way that Derek played this year, I don't know why you'd want to get rid of him. But who knows? You know, if there's another guy out there that they really really like, then it is a business at the end of the day. And uh, you got to think about not only the year coming up, but the future five, six, seven years. He's going to. John's going to be there for the next six, seven years. So. Uh, he's got to think about that as well. So uh, who knows what he's thinking? I just know that Derek had a hell of a year. That's what I can't tell you that. Um, obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly expecting you to spill, spill tea on what John's thinking. But like when you say you don't know what he's thinking, like do you legitimately not – like do you guys – obviously you guys talk. Do you legitimately not know what he's thinking? Or like is it just more like <laughs> – I can tell you. Like, I you think, guys, you know, how in depth do you guys talk about talk about different scenarios. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to keep your thoughts and, and about your football team, about your franchise within, you know, because there's a lot of times when you're talking um, – you might say something that you're thinking might be right, but you have time to let it sink back in and you're not going to do what you think. There's, you want to keep your decisions, especially something like that. It is, it is such a huge decision for your franchise as your quarterback. You want to make sure that uh, the quarterback knows you got his back and you guys love each other and you are the franchise. You got the keys of the car. Uh, and I think that's the way it is right now with Derek. I think John has a lot of faith and a lot of trust in him right now. I think Derek trusts John and, uh, I think it's a good setup. I think uh, for what John wants to do offensively, I know it does. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. He puts a lot on the quarterback's plate, um, and Derek is perfect for that because Derek is a very, very smart player. And uh, you can't do that with a young player. You can't do that with a, a guy that's not as smart as Derek. Um, you have to change. And if John's willing to change and get a younger player in there, that's fine. But for what he wants to do offensively, I think Derek's a perfect match for him, and hopefully they stay together. What did you think of the Stafford trade? I, I was surprised. You know, I, 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 Matthew, I think, is a great player. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think he's done some great things without a doubt. I would try to hang on to Matthew. That's just me. Um, I would not like – I don't like to let good quarterbacks out of my building. 
like to try to yeah, keep them. I bet. They're the ones that give you a chance. When you run out of the tunnel on game day on Sunday afternoon at uh, 1255, you run out of the tunnel, and the first guy you see is the quarterback, you feel good about where you're at. If you have a little bit of, oh, God, I don't then you have no chance. You know what I mean? But with Matthew, you feel like you have a chance to win every game with Derek Carr. I know you have, you feel like you have a lot of confidence that you can win the game. You know what I mean? That's what it's all boils down to uh, at that quarterback position. I think Matthew's done some great things with, uh, uh, with some tough situations, um, taking some shots, um, but he still stands in there tall. He's got a great arm. Um, saw him firsthand. Uh, we played him this year. Uh, very impressed with Matthew, the way he plays. Um. Deshaun Watson's obviously a big thing. You 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 faced him, uh, you know, as a division opponent this year. I guess one, I'm just curious your thoughts on him as a as a quarterback. And to that end, we don't know if Houston's going to make him available. If they do, then the price is going to be pretty pretty high. And I guess I'm just wondering to what price would you, if you were sort of in that spot of being the, the decision maker on that, how high would you go to get yeah. that guy? Well, Deshaun is a is a unique guy. Um, He's been a winner everywhere he's gone. He's, he's a great competitor. He's got a great skill set, both in and outside the pocket. His, his ability to extend plays uh, is really uncoachable. And you see what Patrick Mahomes does and Aaron Rodgers does when the pocket breaks down. Those guys are ability to extend plays and make big plays happen as a result. Those are plays you can't coach. And that's what Deshaun Watson thrives on. And then you throw in the fact that he's really good with the zone reads and the RPOs. And that's a big part of uh, pro football right now. It's a way to really help your running game out. If you have trouble blocking uh, in the running game, your tight ends aren't physical enough, or maybe you don't have a fullback, or uh, you spread them out and you do some of these RPOs and these zone reads. Uh, and Deshaun thrives on that. And you can really run an entire offense based on that and really put a defense in a bind. So, uh, I think that Sean Watson would be worth whatever you can get for him. Uh, but he's still a Houston Texan, um, and they, they they hold his rights, obviously, and, and they're going to demand quite a lot for him, and they should, you know, um, because of his skill set and his youth. He's young, he's been healthy, um, and he can do a lot of different things that can really help a team. And he's another one of those guys that, hey, you walk out of the tunnel, we got Deshaun Watson, we had a hell of a good chance to win this game, you know, no matter who else you have around him. Yeah. Um, as, as somebody who just is was part of the Jaguars, what do you think of this? Jacksonville holds the number one pick, which obviously can mean Trevor Lawrence. What do you think of this? Jacksonville offers the number one pick, their second pick, and maybe their third pick to Houston for Deshaun Watson. Well, obviously, I haven't done enough on Trevor Lawrence to say uh, whether that'd be good or not. It just depends on how they feel about Trevor, you know, uh, or the kid from BYU. Um, you know, it so kind of feels like your work on those guys. Huh? I, was, I was gonna say it kind of feels like Urban Meyer is kind of like not in this for 20 years. So like to get an established guy like Deshaun Watson, even if Trevor Lawrence is the next thing, like yeah, that looking. could work out. You know, I think. Uh, but like I said before, I think they'd have to do a lot of work on Trevor before he pulled that trigger. If you did a lot of work on Trevor, and you weren't sold on the fact that he could come in year one, year two, year three, and get some wins right away, then uh, obviously you'd be more willing to pull the trigger on Deshaun. The problem with that is there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, parts that the Jaguars need, not just the quarterback. Obviously that's probably number one, but uh, there's a lot of other uh, things that we need or they need here um, to help. So the draft picks are critical. They need as many as they can get. They need to attack free agency um, and fix a lot of holes that are uh, quite evident on this roster. Um, I'm going to get you out of here in a couple seconds, but I have a couple like sort of random questions that I ask guests and you know, you're, you're, you're fun. So I'm going to ask you a couple of random questions. Um, Who's your all time favorite athlete? All-time favorite athlete, uh, Walter Payton. Walter Payton, did you ever get to meet him? 
Uh, never did, no. Oh, well, well, that sucks. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Joe Montana would be second because, you know, my dad coached at Notre Dame when he was there. And obviously, then he worked for the 49ers when he was there. So Joe Montana would probably be number one. But as a young kid growing up, I always idolized Walter Payton. Sure. Um, uh, favorite, you, you know, you, you've been out of Ashburn area now for a bit. What's your favorite spot that you spot from that, from that area that you missed the most? Oh, I DC prime. I used to go to DC prime every Friday night, take the wife out there and we'd have dinner and a couple of my friends and we'd sit out there. They always treated us right. It was, it was a great spot to go because Friday, all your work's pretty much done. You go out there, have a nice dinner. Uh, and, uh, they always treat nice, uh, Rick and those guys did a great job over there at DC prime. Um, I don't know that you have a Twitter account. There's no at Jay Gruden verified blue. No, I don't have an Instagram either. There is a Jay Gruden Instagram. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have do you have a burner account of any of anything on Twitter or otherwise to keep tabs? I have things? nothing. I have nothing. I think the Twitter the Twitter mafia would crush me on Twitter, so I don't want to. I'd probably go head to head with each one of them, but uh, that's probably why I can't have Twitter. But you could be, I think you could have fun on Twitter because you have a good you have a good attitude. Like basically, okay, whatever, screw you. Attitude. I actually almost like, added it the other night, but there was a couple steps I didn't know what to do, so I didn't add it. I'm probably gonna add it eventually. Uh, well, if you if you get into the media game, it's probably a good thing to do because you if you're on TV, put up clips of whatever you did or things like that. And also, you know, if, I think if you have the right attitude, people can like you're you're a fun guy. I think I think folks I think folks would like you. The the fans who will give you crap. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm used to it by now. I've been a punching bag for the last three four years, so I'm okay. Well, also, if you get the blue check mark, which I'm sure you would there's a way to look at it so you can filter out anybody who's not that. And then in theory, you're only seeing, not saying that, not saying. Oh, people. the real people. Yeah. I'm not saying that blue check bar people are the only people to listen to. I'm just saying you can filter out the quote unquote riffraff. Don't yell at me. people. Oh, but you, but you can't all think out. about that then. <laughs> um, uh, based on a hobby or a habit, what's a hall of fame that you would qualify for? Like I've said, like I'm I'm in the 7-Eleven Hall of Fame based on the amount of time I spend uh, in, in there and how I've consumed various products. I'm in the 7-Eleven Hall of Fame. Well, what's a ha what's a hobby or a habit you would qualify for? Well, I'm already in the Arena Football League Hall of Fame, then. Don't you forget yeah. that. Okay, Absolutely. so I already qualified for that. I'm in that. Uh, I don't know where it is. It's in somebody's trunk, probably, but I am in that <laughs> one. As far as the other Hall of Fame, probably, uh, you know. I, I'm not perfect, Ben. I mean, there's a lot of things I could say that would be kind of funny, but I really don't want to put myself in that position. Uh, love to play golf. I'm probably uh, a fun guy, Hall of Fame, man. I like to have fun. like to have a good time with my friends and uh, buddies and family and, and all that stuff and uh, try to enjoy life while I'm living. You know what I mean? The, the, the fun guy Hall of Fame is a, is that's a very good Hall of Fame to, to be in. People, people like being around that guy. Uh, so that, yeah. that's not a... That, that's not I'm not going to ever be Debbie Downer. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's a good thing. And I think honestly, like from the outside, you know, watching you um, coach, coach the football team or coach the Redskins, whatever, like that was always a sense. I don't think you, it didn't seem like you got too high, too low. Uh, you know, you, you, you seem to be in the moment of whatever was happening and kind of rolled with the punches. And obviously some of the punches were rough, but obviously there were some good, uh, good times yeah. as well. Yeah. There are a lot of good memories there. You know, it's uh you know, six and a half years there, whatever, you know, there, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad, man. There were some, a lot of good times I had with the staff, uh, the players. Uh, we had some success, won a division, um, got to know a lot of people in that area, players, coaches, uh, fans, uh, and got a lot of friends up there still love the area. So, uh, 
I have no regrets whatsoever. You know, obviously the only regret I have is I'm not still there. Um, but there's a reason for everything and uh, we all have moved on. And I guess just to sort of end it on that, when you look back on it all, is there, you know, I said before sort of the what if moment, but I guess, you know, whether it's about, if there's one thing you could do to fix that maybe would have changed things, or if it's just from that a life lesson, like what's the biggest maybe takeaway from, from that time in your life? Is there one thing you would, if you could do over, you would, or is there just one thing you just sort of take away kind of moving forward? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. Uh, injuries you can't control. Yeah, obviously, we had our share of injuries, but uh, I think when you're when you're a head coach and you're expected to build the culture of the football team, and everybody talks about the culture, I call it the C word. Uh, it's not always easy to do, uh, especially if you're the head coach. You don't have total control over the roster. Uh, you got to have control of the roster to change the culture. You, know, you got to get the people in there that you want. You got to get the people out of there that you don't want. And if you're forced to keep people that you don't want, uh, your culture will never be what you want. So uh, that's my biggest probably regret, but I had no control over that. You know, there's some guys that I wanted out of the building, uh, players, staff uh, that I had to keep, and there are guys that I wanted in the building that I couldn't get. Um, obviously, as a coach, you can't always get what you want. Uh, players, coach, all that stuff. You're going to have to deal with what you, the hand that you're dealt. Uh, I understand that too. But at the end of the day, there are some critical decisions that uh, I feel like the head coach should have been able to make that I wasn't able to make. That's my biggest regret, but I had no control over that. Well, I, I just thought of one last question. Sorry. You, you obviously, when you took the job, you, um, you know, were an up and coming guy. You, you were somebody that was a, considered to be a, a future head coach one way, one way or the other. And obviously to get a job, any, there's only 32 of them. So to get any of them is a good, is a good opportunity. And it seemed like they compensated you fairly or whatever. Do you ever think to yourself though, knowing the situation, you said you walked in to that job knowing the owner was who the owner do you ever think to yourself maybe I wish I had waited and not taken that knowing that maybe you, you probably would have been able to have an opportunity at a different point no not really I think uh they, I, I my life has changed dramatically because of the opportunity I was given as a head coach of the Washington football team and I'm very grateful to Mr. Snyder and Bruce for giving me that opportunity that's first and foremost I mean heck like I said, I had a lot of good times, you know, but as far as the success is concerned or some things I obviously would like to have done differently. But at the end of the day, I knew that going in when I signed on the dotted line. And when I signed my extension, I knew what it was like. I still thought we could get it done. Unfortunately, we didn't get it done. So I have absolutely no regrets. Um, as an offensive coordinator, you have to strike uh, while the iron's hot. Otherwise, you may not get that opportunity. You know, I've seen it with different coordinators across the league that have had a great year and they're, uh, and then they wait and then all of a sudden they have a bad year and then there's a whole new staff, whole new group of coaches that are going to be up for the next job. So uh, you have to get that opportunity. And uh, I'm glad I took it, really. Like I said, I've met a lot of great players, a lot of great coaches, uh, still had a lot of fun uh, uh, with a lot of people in that organization. Um, obviously, um, disappointed the way it turned out, but six and a half years was a pretty good run. You called him Mr. Snyder. It always cracks me up, us up. Is that just a habit? I mean, is that what just the way it had to be? He's a boss. You know, I, I think that people forget the fact that you have a boss and he's the boss, you know, so you show him the respect that he deserves. Um, whether you agree with all the things that he's done over the years, he probably don't. And there's a lot of things that have been coming out that you don't agree with. He's uh, you know, had some owners with him that have uh, jumped ship as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's still the boss and he owns the Washington football team. And you have to give him a lot of credit for doing what he did as an individual in his life to get in the position to buy the football team. Uh, now you got to let him run it. And uh, hopefully uh, he'll do a better job and let Coach Rivera and uh, 
do the things that he wants to do. And um, but at the end of the day, uh, Mr. Snyder gave me an opportunity, gave me some money, and uh, and I'm thankful for it. All right. Well, I'll, I appreciate that. I'll get you off the hot seat. By the way, that was the worst promotion of all time when they had you on the. Uh, what was that? What was that? What was that bit when you were on the uh, the something hot seat with, the, with when you did the show? Uh, the oh, the Bob's show? hot seat challenge. <laughs> yeah. Insane. It, I don't know who, who, who greenlit that. That was, that was the craziest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. That was that, that seat got hotter every damn week I did it. <laughs> that, was, that was the weirdest, that was the weirdest bit. Uh Jay, man, I really appreciate the time. Best of luck uh, down there in Jacksonville with uh with 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 the with the new place and uh, whatever else you got going on. And hopefully we'll see you uh, on our TV soon. Yeah, anytime. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's it for this episode of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Big thanks to Jay Gruden for his time. Thanks to you guys for checking out the podcast. Again, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, any of those places. Read my stuff on The Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standick. Be safe out there. Stay warm. It is freezing here in the D.C. area. Burr, uh, not a fan of that, but we'll get past it eventually, I hope. Uh, more to come on the podcast. Go check out our other episodes this week. It's already been three. Don't know if there'll be four, but you never know how things go around here. That's it for now. And until next time, see ya.